Hello, and welcome to Liberate Your Soul, a podcast designed to quiet the inner imposter, awaken you to truths known within all of us, so that you can discover your purpose, heal heart wounds, and find where you fit in to feel whole and allow you to make positive, lasting impact on the world. I'm your host, Kelly Pierce, a certified business and personal coach. I help top performers find their authentic selves in order to come from a confident decision-making place. As a fellow seeker, I have found that liberating the soul enables anyone to transition from anxiety to acceptance. It is my hope to provide you with inspiration and tools to help you feel confident, joyful, and loved. To learn more or to connect with me, go to www.quantumhighways.com. Hello and welcome back to Liberate Your Soul. I am both excited and a little sad to announce that today is our last Second Arrow series episode. I hope that you've enjoyed them as much as I have enjoyed putting them together for you. Today we're going to talk about something that plagues 36% of Americans in 2020, whereas just in 2019 it was only 7% of Americans, and that is anxiety. I can tell you from personal experience that this is something I have dealt with my entire life, and most people will tell you that they have felt anxiety at some point or another in their lives. There's anxiousness, there's restlessness, there's excitement, there's um, nervousness, but we're really going to talk about chronic anxiety and when it happens in your life kind of as a, a problem, right? Last episode, we talked about depression. If you missed that, go back to episode 34. It's called Hopeless. And you're going to find a lot of valuable information there in that episode about what to do, what it is, when it's not just sadness and it morphs into uh, true depression. I know there's a thousand different articles you can read, but hopefully you can benefit from hearing about it as well. So the second Arrow series, just to recap where this all began, it comes from a Buddhist principle Uh, when someone went to the Buddha and asked him about um, certain different things and they were chatting and the Buddha said, the first arrow, it hurts, does it not? And the student said, yes. And he said, well, doesn't the second arrow hurt that much more? And the student said, well, of course. The first arrow is really the circumstance or negative event that can happen in our lives. And it could be circumstantial, it could be something that happens to us, or it could be something that is just a change in our circumstances. It could be fires in California, it could be the election year, it could be uh, loss of a loved one, it could be divorce, it could be death, it could be loss of a job, it could be anything, right? It could be any of that stuff. But the second arrow, what that is, is when we go back and we cause suffering by ruminating about the event. We stir things up and we 
really think about it over and over again and we're just tormenting ourselves by overthinking or punishing ourselves, beating ourselves up uh, through guilt, through shame, through blame, and self-punishment, really. And anxiety is one of those things that can come back at the worst time. Um, It can happen when we're just minding our business, or at least we think we are, and then all of a sudden, you know, what we're going to talk about today, generalized anxiety disorder, just rears its ugly head, and we're like, ugh, we're just anxious on for no particular reason. Or maybe there's social anxiety. We are invited to go out to a social gathering, and we just feel uneasy about it. So I think that a lot of people can relate to this topic, and we're going to talk about what it is, um, causes of it, and some solutions to get over it. So without further ado, let's jump in. So we mentioned the numerous types of anxiety. There's a the generalized anxiety disorder, or GAD. There's social anxiety. There's specific phobias that can cause people to feel anxious. Like if you see a spider and you are afraid of spiders, which by the way, I saw a spider today when I was cleaning my downstairs and it startled me. I'm not even scared of spiders, but I was like, woo, it was under a rug that I was taking to shake out. So um, had a little like high pitched moment. Um, There's panic disorder obsessive compulsive disorder and post-traumatic stress disorder and all of those fall under the umbrella of anxiety Uh, there are more anxiety disorders but those are like the big ones right so generalized anxiety disorder is or GAD is a common anxiety disorder that involves constant chronic worrying, nervousness, and tension. It's not like a phobia where your fear is connected to a specific thing or situation like the spiders, but it's just diffused anxiety. It's a general feeling of dread or unease that colors your whole life. People with GAD can't shake their concerns even though they usually realize that much of their anxiety is unwarranted. So if you have GAD or your your loved one has GAD, you might actually realize that it's not warranted, that you you have nothing to worry about, but you worry anyways. Or you're telling your loved one, like, calm down, everything's going to be okay. And they, they're like, I know, but I just feel so upset. And they have trouble relaxing, trouble falling asleep, trouble staying asleep. Um... Their worries often are accompanied by physical symptoms like trembling, twitching, muscle tension, headaches, irritability, sweating. I don't know if you've ever like had to give a big speech for an event, but you can end up, you know, really sweating profusely, whether it's on your face or under your arms. But people with generalized anxiety disorder typically will sweat and perspire. Uh, regularly because they're just anxious all the time. They can have hot flashes and feel lightheaded or out of breath. Many people with GAD will startle easily. They get startled quite readily. Like you can not even be meaning to sneak up on them, but they're like, oh, you scared the daylights out of me. And you're like, "Um, I was just walking by. (laughs) I've had, you know, people in my life whom 
Um, I wouldn't even have thought that they had GAD or generalized anxiety disorder, but they were just like, I don't know, like a cat and a firecracker, (laughs) just like jumping out of their skin when I walk by and it's like, calm yourself, right? Just like, it's going to be okay. I was just walking by you. (laughs) Um, People with GAD tend to feel tired, have trouble concentrating, concentrating, and may suffer from depression. Again, if you go back to the last episode on hopeless, on depression, people who tend to um, have depression might have anxiety. It can oftentimes lead to depression. People with GAD can function socially and hold down a job when their anxiety level is mild, but they might have difficulty carrying out the simplest of daily activities if their anxiety is severe. And this is really disheartening and sad when you think about somebody who's so scared of what might happen. They're just so worried about whether it's the state of the world or what might happen to them personally or just around them that they can't even go to the grocery store. And it's possible, right? You can have different forms of worrying about what it is, what what could happen. And this is affects about 6.8 million American adults. Women are twice as likely as men to be afflicted. The disorder can begin at any point during life, but usually develops between childhood and middle age. The prevalence of the diagnosis peaks in middle age and decreases as people get older. So if you're in middle age and you don't have generalized anxiety disorder, then you probably won't get it. You might have times in your life when you are anxious, but you won't have the generalized anxiety disorder. It is six months or more of chronic exaggerated worry and tension that is unfounded or much more severe than the normal anxiety most people experience. People with this disorder usually experience symptoms like we described, the inability to control excessive worrying, the difficulty falling or staying asleep, irritability, they're easily startled or scared, sweating, shaking, trembling. Sometimes they even have a hard time swallowing. And I really want to talk about what this isn't, okay? Because anxiety disorders are complex and they result from a combination of genetic, behavioral, developmental, and other factors. Uh, Risk factors for GAD include a family history of anxiety and recent or extended periods of stress. So if you've been under a lot of stress lately, yes, it might be a risk factor, but nobody really knows exactly what causes generalized anxiety disorder. It could be biologic and genetic. It might be, you know, something that runs in your family, But just because it does, doesn't mean you're absolutely 100% going to have it. So I really want to talk about what it's not, 
Because it's natural sometimes to worry about paying the bills, landing a job, um, finding a romantic partner, or maybe a recent breakup, or other important life events. But somebody who has generalized anxiety disorder is going to have constant and unsubstantiated worry that causes significant distress and interferes with their daily life, including those things. So it's almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy. They're worried about finding a date, so they can't find a date. Normal people have embarrassment or self-consciousness in an uncomfortable or awkward social situation. And if you go back to our series, when we did our series kickoff, we talked about shameless. We talked about shame. And that's normal. Everybody has a little bit of shame. But people with generalized anxiety disorder or serious anxiety disorders ranging from social anxiety to PTSD, they would avoid social situations for fear of being judged, embarrassment, or fear of being humiliated. Normal people could have a case of the nerves or sweating before a big test, a business presentation, stage performance, or other significant event like we talked about before with perspiring um, a little bit if you are nervous to speak in front of a big stage or a big group of people. Uh, But other people with anxiety disorders, when it's extreme, they have seemingly out-of-the-blue panic attacks and the preoccupation with the fear of having another one. So it's almost like, gosh, I just, I had this and I was so embarrassed by the last time I had a a panic attack, I don't want another one. And it almost like precipitates having yet another one. Realistic fears of dangerous objects, places, or situations, it's natural, right? If you're walking down a dark alley in a bad neighborhood, you're going to have some heightened awareness of what's going on and where you are. But people with anxiety disorders have irrational fear or avoidance of an object, place, or situation that poses little or no threat or danger. So they might get scared during the day in a perfectly natural, perfectly fine space or place. They might even be with other people and they just feel scared and fearful. Uh, Some people, I wouldn't say some people, I'll just say all people feel a bit of anxiety, sadness, or difficulty sleeping immediately after a traumatic event. And that can even be in the weeks or months following a traumatic event. Our bodies and our minds, they process things at different speeds and it's normal to feel shooken up and to feel emotions that are a bit um, all over the map after something uh, traumatic happens to us, right? Um, If you don't have anything feeling a little strange, then maybe there's something, uh, you have another disorder. (laughs) Um, And that's, you know, I say that with all the love in my heart, but it's possible. Um, But people with anxiety disorders, they tend to have reoccurring nightmares, flashbacks, or emotional numbing related to a traumatic event that occurred several months or years before. And that's when we get into the PTSD and the um, obsessive compulsive behavior and uh, not just generalized, but maybe social anxiety 
and um, specific phobias, right? So maybe something happened to them when they were younger and now they go out of their way to avoid this and they just have extreme things that they will not, cannot, and, you know, just refuse to cope with it. They have no healing around the event. Um, It's just caused a distortion in their lives. And that's okay. It just causes almost like a splinter, right, that you refuse to take out. It's festering and um, infected around that area. So they might have like a perfectly normal life in every other thing, but when you bring up this one subject with them, they kind of go off the walls and it's not normal behavior. So the brain circuitry involved in fear and anxiety is known to contribute to the experience of generalized anxiety disorder, but the mechanism by which it's activated is unknown. So if you remember, we talked about serotonin receptors and the amygdala and all the different parts of the brain that were uh, activated or are less activated in depression. They don't really know that much about the brain circuitry and the chemi- chemicals Um, of the neurotransmitters in anxiety, but they do know that it's related to fear. And I will tell you from personal experience that, you know, fear and anxiety, they're just best friends. They, They go hand in hand. You can't truly have anxiety without feeling fear or uneasiness about something. But they've done studies of twins and families that suggest that genes play a role in the origin of anxiety disorders. So it is thought to be biological. There's childhood adversity, like if you have different events in your childhood, maybe that's abuse or trauma or neglect. And there could be the opposite. You might have helicopter parents or parental overprotection. They've both been associated with the later development of generalized anxiety disorder. It is important to rule out medical causes of anxiety, such as thyroid disorders, before a diagnosis is made. Having a health condition or a serious illness can cause significant worry about issues such as your treatment and your future if you have anxiety disorder. There could be, it's almost like a cumulative effect of stress building up. So a lot of physical illness, especially today with COVID, and if you have pre-existing conditions or if you are have an immune deficiency and you get sick, even if it's not COVID, you might have serious, serious anxiety. A big event or buildup of smaller stressful life situations might trigger excessive anxiety, like if you have a death in the family, work stress, and ongoing finance issues, and it just keeps going. It's like a snowball effect, so that can cause massive increase in anxiety. It doesn't mean that you're going to end up with a disorder, but you can end up being over. Um, anxious and overburdened with anxiety. So now that we've kind of really outlined the different things about how we can get to be anxious, let's talk about how we can get to be less anxious, how we can deal with it and how we can treat it and 
uh, deal with some of the symptoms of anxiety to live a manageable um, and maybe even more than palatable life. So classic treatments of anxiety have ranged from antidepressants, the SSRIs, which are selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors. They act on a chemical messenger in the brain called serotonin, and they're often prescribed for generalized anxiety disorder. There's a um, venlafaxine, is a SNRI, is also prescribed as a first drug of choice. There's an older class of antidepressants called tricyclics, which are useful in treating this disorder, but many physicians and patients like the newer drugs, the SSRIs, because the older ones cause dizziness, drowsiness, dry mouth, and weight gain. So there was one called imipramine, and it was for panic disorder and generalized anxiety disorder, and that was one of the older ones that causes that dizziness and dry mouth and weight gain. The medicine is always improving, and so don't rule it out if you are really on the higher end of someone who is, is unable to perform some of your uh, normal life duties as a result of your anxiety. But I'm going to go over some things that aren't necessarily antidepressant related because really, for me at least, like if they don't know how the brain circuitry um, works medically, if they can't pinpoint it, then I don't think that it's a good idea to um, goof with the brain chemistry just to try um, and improve it. There are anti-anxiety medications uh, that are benzodiazepines, which are like uh, the alprazolam and um, diazepam, and those really are only good for short periods of time, and they're only good for people who are not prone to dependencies. Like if you've had a problem with drug or alcohol abuse, then um, stay away from these because they can cause dependencies. There's beta blockers like propanolol that are often used to treat conditions um, that are not anxiety, but they're good for people who have social phobia because you can prepare in advance uh, so that you can have this beta blocker to start, stop your heart from pounding, your hands from shaking, and to keep other physical symptoms under control. So if you know you're giving a speech, for instance, and you really need to keep your cool, like mentally you know that you, you're able to keep on your game, but physically you have these symptoms that you just can't control because of social phobia, you can work with your doctor there to get some um, medication. So again, I'm not a doctor, I'm not a health practitioner, I am just someone who I know people in my family have dealt with anxiety disorders. And when I was a young woman, I had social anxiety and generalized anxiety disorder, at least I was diagnosed with it, and they tried to put me on some of these medications and I really didn't like it. And I was like, this is not good, these do not work for me. So I went to this next type of treatment that I'm gonna talk about, and that is therapy. 
So there's two different types of therapy that they recommend for anxiety. And one of them is psychotherapy, and that's talking with a psychiatrist, a psychologist, a social worker, or a counselor, and just really working with them on identifying patterns and behaviors um, and things that, you know, just working out things that maybe you have from your past. If you, you know, we talked about one of the causes of anxiety was things that happened in your childhood And for me, that was the case. It was things from my family of origin, and it was stuff that I needed to kind of work out, right? It was just things that, it wasn't generalized anxiety disorder necessarily. It was more social anxiety, and it was just a, it stemmed from low self-worth. It stemmed from just being worried about, what other people were kind of thinking or saying or, you know, my own behavior type of thing. Uh, So it really helped me to kind of understand what that was all about. You can work with a cognitive behavioral therapist, and I did that too. And that was like when I really recognized the most improvement, I would say. Um, I was 19, and I saw someone, and this is where the cognitive dimension, like the thinking part, helps people change their thinking patterns that support their fears. So you're no longer going and ruminating. You're not thinking about the same things over and over again. And the behavioral dimension helps people change the way they react to anxiety-provoking situations. So again, I had massive change in my anxiety, and I won't say my anxiety, I had massive change in social anxiety when I realized that I was kind of perpetually thinking one thing that was not necessarily true and I was able to take steps to change my behavior to get over it and now I'm pretty much okay I mean there's been times like in the recent past maybe last year when I was in one situation that I was uncomfortable with it like reminded me of something and I felt kind of anxious but I just was able to Um, do one of these other exercises I'm going to share with you. Um, And I worked through it and I got through it okay. So similarly to the tips on depression, an aspect of meditation can help, but this time with a twist. So it's oftentimes when our mind wants to move quickly and we're thinking about things and we're, um, we have these fears and things are telling us to worry and we don't even know why it's just general we know we shouldn't worry but our mind is just you know it's called the monkey mind right it's just like a monkey it's all over the place it's climbing the tree and the tree is worry with meditation for anxiety I want to recommend that you really recognize the fact that you're not truly in control of your life. And so surrendering your concerns to a higher power and giving those worries and anxious thoughts to God or the universe or source, insert your belief system here, just really kind of entering in an aspect of prayer during your meditation. And this is how, like, I love to set my meditations up this way. I'll put I love to use Insight Timer, and I'll set it up for like, I don't know, 11, 12 minutes, and then I'll put in little blocks of wood sound every three minutes so that 
the first three minutes I'm just giving thanks, the next three minutes I'm in silence, the next three minutes I'm in prayer, if anything has come to mind and I, I need to release it, and then the last three minutes I'm in silence. So whatever that works out to be, I think it's like 12 minutes. So it really works for me. My mind likes to <laughs> want to interrupt my quiet time, right? I'm like, a child on the inside. So I'm able to get my quiet time and get out any thoughts that need to be released uh, as I'm in my quiet time. So really surrendering and giving it over because when we do, when we do that, we can understand that it's not all us. We're not, you know, we can't control what the person at the grocery store says or how people are driving on the road or what's happening in the other countries, we're not in charge of it, right? It's so much bigger than any one person ever could be. And so we can only control ourselves, our thoughts, our emotions, our beliefs, our actions. And so when we just really give it over to that higher power and we can sit more quietly and we can have more peace within And I've been doing this for years, guys, so it's a lot easier for me. But I'll tell you, even though I've been doing it for a long time, there are days when I'm just like, okay, it's a three-minute meditation today, and I just have to give up and move on, right? Taking a time out is good. Most people have fast-paced, high-production lives, and it can really feel like a rat race. I know even me, like trying to do so much. My to-do list is longer than I have paper for. Uh, So taking some time to slow down and just be, even for those few minutes, like five minutes in the morning and a half an hour on the weekend without scrolling your phone will make a massive difference. It's important not to scroll your phone because your brain needs that break, that alone time, uh, not to have to feel like you need to be like everybody that you see on the phone. It's still taking an input when you're watching whatever social media, whatever game you're playing. It's still taking in information and processing and working hard. So when you just take those five minutes and breathe deeply, if you're appreciating the trees in the backyard or the kitty cat at your feet or your dog who wants attention or, you know, whatever it is, you're going to get more in touch with what's really important and your worries are going to be the furthest thing from your mind when you do something like that. Eating well-balanced meals, nutrition and nourishment, giving yourself that self-love and self-care just by being uh, good to yourself through nutrition is, is so good. It'll make a huge difference in how you feel and how you think and how your output is. I, I can't even tell you. Limiting alcohol and caffeine, which can aggravate anxiety and trigger panic attacks. Caffeine, ah, my best friend and my worst of friends. I love caffeine and it's it's just so good, but it can be so bad. If I find myself like, why am I so on edge today? I go, oh yeah, I had an extra cup of coffee. <laughs> and once I identify that, then it's like, okay, 
Then I know to hydrate. So your brain wants to function at its best and giving it the best chance it can so it can do what it wants to do. So the one thing that you can do is to drink half of your body weight in ounces of water for a month and see how you feel. Um, You'll stop running to the bathroom every half hour eventually once your cells know that you mean it. You're really going to notice a cognitive difference. You're going to be thinking more clearly and feeling better. Your skin's going to look better. You're going to uh, notice quite a difference when you hydrate. I can't even remember the percentage of Americans that are dehydrated, but it's high. And if you really want to be a top performer and you really want to give yourself the best care and not have your brain like running on fumes if you will and that causes anxiety because your brain's like starved right it's like help me out then hydrate just do yourself that favor getting enough sleep is important to help manage anxiety levels Not having enough sleep will cause your mind to have a mind of its own (laughs) and run away with you. So worrying is just using your imagination in the wrong direction. So if you can feel refreshed and well, you'll be able to control your mind and have your thoughts working for you and thinking about your dream life and playing the what if game for good things rather than worrisome ones. So make sure you get some sleep. If you're going to bed too late, try going to bed a half an hour earlier. If you're getting up too early, um, you can still try the going to bed half an hour earlier or maybe uh, you've got a light problem. Maybe check your room and see if you've got adequate darkness at night and you're getting enough um, quality sleep. Exercise daily to help you feel good and maintain your health. Uh, Processing stress and anxiety through movement is so good for the body and soul, whether through walking or yoga or qigong or lifting weights. Exercise releases five feel-good hormones. Again, we discussed those um, feel-good chemicals back in episode 34 on depression, so you can learn more about what they are and how they work for you. But truly, for anxiety, exercise moves this energy out of your body, and it processes it in a healthy and constructive way rather than destructive way so you're not doing not tearing yourself down you're not doing harm you're you're doing good with this anxious energy taking deep breaths so breathing will slow down the adrenal system and give your body signals that you're not in danger so if you're feeling anxious notice if your chest breathing like if you're breathing very shallowly and consciously make the effort to slowly belly breathe. You can try a triangle method, which is where you breathe in for four counts, hold it for two, and then breathe out for four counts. You can do this for several beats until you start to calm down. I know at night, especially if people are having a hard time sleeping because of anxiety, you can do this for like two minutes. It's a trick that they actually teach the Navy SEALs how to uh, calm their mind and relax the muscles in their face as they do this breathing exercise. You'll notice that your forehead is tight, your jaw is tight, your um, 
the area above your cheekbones can be tight, your chin can be tight. So if you do this breathing in conjunction with loosening a muscle of your face, of your neck, of your scalp, you can even give yourself a little scalp massage. It's really helpful to try to get some nice sleep um, and relax and get your body to, to get into that it's safe mode. You can count to 10 slowly. I've used counting since I was little. Um, whenever I was feeling a rush of high emotion or high anxiety, um, it's very helpful and you can up your game with some cognitive tricks using all of your senses. So if you're in the middle of having a panic attack or you feel yourself going to that uh, way, right? It's coming on and you start shallow breathing and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm sweating or perspiring. Things are not like this is not good. You can find five things that you can see and identify them four things that you can hear, three things that you can touch, two things that you can smell, and one thing that you can taste. And you can alternate. It might be three things you can hear, four things that you can touch, um, and two things you can smell, and one thing you can taste. And then by the time you're done distracting yourself, again, this is all in the mind, right? It's That's why it's so powerful. Your anxiety should quell down a bit and you should be able to head off any kind of panic attack and be able to think maybe a little bit more clearly. You might have to go back to the breathing a little bit, maybe go for a walk um, and get away from the situation. Do your best and give yourself grace for not being an Olympian or a model or a billionaire philanthropist, right? We're not all um, going to be all these things all the time. So sometimes we just need to, <laughs> sometimes we do just go for a walk around the block, come home and drink a glass of wine and eat leftovers. <laughs> it's okay. It's one day out of thousands of days of your life. You're in it for the long haul. You're in the marathon. You're not sprinting for the win every single day. Um, but you can take those little be little behaviors, those little things like we talked about eating right, getting good sleep, hydrating, doing the exercise, and you know, small little things add up over a lifetime to make these changes. And finally, it's important to learn what triggers your anxiety. If you have generalized anxiety disorder, you're going to notice that there's times when it's higher than others, but you can keep a journal when you're feeling stressed or anxious and look for a pattern. Is it work or family, school, or something else that you can identify? Is it all the time, and is it the same general thoughts that you're having all the time. So notice these patterns and write it out. Look for patterns. You might be living out of integrity with one of your core beliefs, or there might be someone in your life who's causing you to feel out of balance or living outside of your truth. There might be someone who's causing you to feel stifled or like you can't really be yourself. Anxiety can show up as a side effect of a lot of different things. Um, it can be a side effect of not, not being able to show who you really are. And so if it's something that has shown up out of the blue and it wasn't related to a trauma event, it wasn't related to, you know, you just don't know where it came from, 
And really, a journal will help you identify more clearly what's going on with you. And again, you can go back and get help from a professional like a therapist or a coach. Um, I myself, I'm a life coach. I am a business coach and I am a RTT therapist in training. I will very shortly have my uh, licensure for that. So if you sign up with me for any one of my coaching packages, then I am going to be giving you, gifting you now through the time of November 2020, I will be gifting you RTT, which is Rapid Transformational Therapy. I will be gifting you a session to work on anxiety. So this is something that's pretty massive um, and I'm just now announcing it because I'm excited. It's so, so fun. I've been in school for months and months now and it's just time for me to take that step forward and offer this because it's really helpful. It's helpful for people who suffer with these types of disorders, whether it's PTSD or generalized anxiety or social anxiety. I don't want you to have to suffer the rest of your life thinking that you have to modify your behaviors and not live a full and happy lifestyle because you deserve to live a full and happy lifestyle. Everybody does. And it doesn't have to be limited or stunted or changed in any way. So if all that sounds amazing to you, then I would love to hear from you. If you would send me an email at info at quantumhighways.com Or you can get in touch with me by going to my website at www.quantumhighways.com. And as always, it is such a pleasure to spend this time with you. And I am just so honoring of your time. It has been so much fun doing this Second Arrow series. It's been so much fun. Like, I have to say goodbye to it now. We're going to go back to regular Liberate Your Soul topics. Um, If you have any ideas on things that you really are struggling with and you think that they're um, second era worthy, we might have an encore performance down the line. Who knows? You can always email me. You've got my information. I'll put it down in the show notes. But I just hope you're having the best, best time of it. And uh, I really care about you. And I just thank you again so much. If you think you have benefited from this and you want to invite a friend to listen to it, please share, like us, give us some stars and ratings. It helps get the word out about the podcast. So until next time, take care. Take care.